Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Thanks again to our wonderful team, so faithfully serving us. Good morning and uh, welcome as we continue in our series, which we've called The Way. And, uh, you know, when the church was born in the book of Acts, it seems that people sensed there was something new that God was doing. There was no mistaking that. There was something new that God was doing. There was a fresh move of God. And uh, if you remember reading in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out on young and old alike, on men and women, on people of all different nationalities, different ethnicities, a fresh move of God. But I don't think there was any grand plan in the minds of those who were experiencing these new things. There was, it's not like there was a thought in their minds that, uh, you know, we should develop some kind of a new global movement. Uh, God had a plan, of course, which is still being worked out in and through us today, 2,000 years later. But people at the time were simply following Jesus. In the earliest days, they had no real kind of collective identity as the church. Uh, we know from Acts, it was in, the, in Antioch, a place called Antioch, where they were first referred to as Christians, followers of this man Jesus called the Christ, Christians is how they were referred. But then throughout the book of Acts, these Christians were often referred to as people of the way or people belonging to the way. Hence our series title. Now, uh, we can't be quite sure where that term came from, but uh, it's possibly a reference to the conversation that took place in the upper room between Jesus and his disciples, recorded there for us in John 14. And uh, you might recall the conversation where Jesus says to them, you know the way. You know the way to the place that I'm going. And uh, Thomas, it is, who pipes up and says, Lord, we don't, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then Jesus very famously says those words, I am the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way to the Father. I am the truth about the Father. I am the very life of the Father. So do you want to know God? Do you want to discover a relationship with your heavenly Father that is eternal and life-transforming? I am the way to that very thing. (laughs) That's what Jesus is saying. I'm the way. Follow me and I will teach you this way. Follow me and I'll show you the way. Follow me. And I'll reveal to you a new and a a different way of living. A different way of uh, facing the issues and challenges of everyday life. A different way. And so the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' detailed explanation of of just what this way looks like. And how we might live it out. The new and living way described in Hebrews 10.20, that revolves completely, actually, around the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's what it's all about, this way, this new and living way. 
And this way was so fully embraced by the earliest followers of Jesus that they became known as people of the way, people who lived their life in a different way, a way that was distinct from their culture in the way that they lived their lives. So we come to the Sermon on the Mount and uh, this morning our readings from Matthew 5 and verses 13 to 16, which uh, let me read for you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. And you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but it's interesting, you know, when I imagine Jesus preaching this sermon, I've often pictured him standing on a hillside and preaching to the crowds in a very loud voice. No amplification or microphones back in those days. So I imagine him standing on the hillside and kind of calling out, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But if you read the text more closely, you'll see that there were crowds there. What the Bible actually says is that Jesus saw the crowds and he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples then came to him and he began to teach them. So maybe there was a larger group listening in, but really Jesus was speaking primarily to those who were or who would be his followers, his disciples. And here in this passage, the two illustrations of salt and light, I'd suggest to you, are about influence. And they beg the question, am I an influencer or an influencee? The answer, of course, is both. You know, I I, I influence others around me by the view I express, the the decisions I make, the lifestyle choices that I adopt. And uh, equally, well, I am influenced. We all are. We're all influenced by uh, things we read or things we watch. We're influenced by our friends, uh, by the, the voices and the opinions that we choose to listen to. We're, we're influenced by our culture, actually, in ways that we may not even fully comprehend. And we'd also recognise that some people seem to have more influence than others. You know, some people are loud and opinionated and dominate the conversation. Know anyone like that? People whispering, yeah, I know who he's talking about. Some people are just loud. Some people just have a big personality. You know, they're gregarious, they're fun. They tell funny stories. And, uh, you know, there's some people as they enter the room, you know that they're there because something unexpected is going to happen. Something funny might happen. They fill the room. And so in one sense, those people we might think are more likely to influence than someone who just sort of slips in quietly without saying boo. But when Jesus says here, What Jesus says here about salt and light actually has nothing to do with personality types or how uh, extroverted 
or introverted you might be in your personality, when you follow Jesus, when you enter into a relationship with God as your heavenly father, you move from one kingdom into a new kingdom altogether, a different kingdom. He's called you, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his glorious light. And in so doing, he's placed in you his Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of the one who is the way to the way to the Father, the spirit of the one who is there to show you the way to the Father, the way to live your life consistently with kingdom flavour, distinctive kingdom flavour. So if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, let me remind you that the kingdom of God is with you and even within you. And God's intent is for you to influence others in a couple of key ways illustrated here by salt and light, which as we'll see are actually wonderfully complementary illustrations. So let's dig a bit deeper to better understand what Jesus is saying. You are the salt of the earth, says Jesus. Now in our culture, when we think about salt, the first thing we think of is uh, something we sprinkle on our hot chips. <laughs> Wonderful. Something that we add to our food along with pepper to add flavour to our food. But in the first century in Jesus' day, while salt was certainly used for that purpose, that wouldn't have been the first thing that his listeners would have thought of. In that culture at that time, salt had what we might think of as a negative function. Salt had certain antiseptic properties which prevented decay and stopped deterioration. And so uh, salt was rubbed into meat to stop it from going off, to keep it good. Salt was used in various medical applications to prevent infections from setting in. So when I say a negative function, I just mean that salt had the effect of stopping things that were bad. That was the effect of salt, of keeping at bay things like infection and rottenness. Add salt and it will stop those things from spreading. Stop those things that are harmful. It'll, it'll have the effect of pushing them away in that negative sense. And as well as having this negative function, we might also notice that salt acts secretly. <laughs> it works in ways that are unseen. And so you rub it into the meat or you add it to a, a sore on your skin and uh, nothing seems to be happening. There's nothing, nothing visible. There's no visible change. You can't, you can't see the decay, the decay being prevented. But beneath the surface, the salt is secretly, quietly doing its work of preserving goodness, eliminating infection and healing pain. You are the salt. You are the salt of the earth, says Jesus. So what's he saying? Well, the kingdom of God is within you and as you learn to live and walk in the way of the kingdom, you begin to exhibit those, those beautiful attitudes, those beatitudes that Simon so wonderfully unpacked for us last week. 
You begin to live a kingdom life. And as you do, whether you fully realize it or not, you begin to influence others around you. It's the kingdom saltiness of your life has the effect of pushing back the decay of worldly culture. That's just what it does. It's the effect. The kingdom saltiness of your life has the effect of standing against the deterioration of a society that has turned its back on God. The kingdom saltiness of your life has the effect of bringing healing to the pain and to the wounds of those you encounter in the workplace or at school or at university or in your home. It heals. It has the healing quality. Kingdom saltiness. See, where you live and move and have your being, you are surrounded by people who may never read the Bible, but you know what? They are constantly reading you. They're reading you. They're reading your life, especially if they know that you're Christian. They're watching. They're constantly reading your life, your reactions, your attitudes, your conversation. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. Let your conversation be what? Seasoned with salt. You are the salt of the earth. Which brings us to Jesus' next comment about salt that loses its saltiness and therefore is not good for anything. Well, some of you might know the truth that, uh, that sea salt in its purest form actually uh, has an indefinite life. It, it, uh, it'll pretty much last forever without losing its saltiness. Pure salt can't, it won't lose its saltiness, no matter what. But we understand from what Jesus is saying that the salt that was used in Israel came from the Dead Sea. And actually it was full of all sorts of impurities. And when pure salt becomes contaminated or adulterated or infiltrated with impurities of various kinds, then it becomes ineffective in its preserving qualities, its healing properties, and its flavour. It becomes worthless. Might as well just trample it underfoot. Well, such is the power of sin. We are the salt of the earth. I think what Jesus is saying is that as we allow impurities of various kinds to creep in and permeate our lives, our kingdom saltiness quickly loses its flavour and we become ineffective. Hence, the need for repentance, which... Uh, We'll have opportunity for before we close this morning. What impurities have you allowed into your life? What impurities that you uh, know shouldn't be there and in one sense perhaps you wish weren't there but you've welcomed them into your life? What impurities have you welcomed into your home? What impurities have you welcomed onto your screens? What impurities have you allowed to creep into your relationships? Well, Jesus moves on to talk about light because not only are you the salt of the earth, you are also, says Jesus, the light of the world. 
And just as the salt has that negative function, the light has a very positive function. Light in the scripture indicates the true knowledge of God. Psalm 36, 9, a wonderful psalm, wonderful verse says, For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Beautiful verse. In your light we see light. The Bible says that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now let me read to you what I think is one of the saddest verses in the whole of Scripture. I read it just the other day. Uh, Genesis 6-5 says this, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow. You might think, goodness, that's a pretty grim perspective. Well, it is. You might also think that the Lord would have a pretty accurate insight into the state of the human race and the state of the human heart, which hasn't changed, by the way, over all of that time. The reality is that as human beings, we have the capacity to do some pretty dreadful, dark things. And the truth is that separated from God, the world is a very dark place and sin separates us from God and makes the world a very dark place. Sadly, according to Jesus, people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. But praise God, through the cross, he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his glorious light, into the light of the true knowledge of God, into a, a, a revelation that actually this God of all things is a God of love and a God of compassion and a God of grace. And according to 1 John, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, he is light, there's no darkness in him at all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, goes on cleansing us from all sin. All that stems from walking in the light. And so as followers of Jesus, we need to be both visible as light and radiant as light. We need to be in the light ourselves and then we're called to radiate that light to others. It's an obvious statement, but you only will radiate light if you are in the light. If you are in the light of the Lord. That's the only way you radiate that light. It doesn't come from within yourself. It comes from the Lord who is light. Ephesians 5, 8 says, you were once darkness. Interesting, it doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were once, you were darkness. Paul says in Ephesians 5, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Not only are you in the light, you are light. You are the light of the world. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, Ephesians 5, 8. So therefore, live as children of light. So salt acts secretly, but light shines openly. And so Jesus says, let your light shine before others. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean quoting Bible verses at people or, you know, being weird. <laughs> Telling people in your office that they're all going to hell. 
You know, some people are persecuted because of their faith. Others are persecuted because they're annoyingly religious. <laughs> Let your light shine. Shine the light of God wherever you go. Shine the love of the Father in whom you have eternal security. Shine the compassion of Jesus who is with you. Shine the gentleness and the joy of the Holy Spirit who is within you. According to this passage, the shining of your light will present itself in the, in the form of good deeds, acts of kindness and generosity, works of service, spontaneous expressions of love and grace. You are prepared. We, 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 are, we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. And we have, there, are, there are works, there are good works which God has prepared for us to do. Let your light shine and others will see the light of your good deeds and they will glorify your Father in heaven. Well, according to Jesus, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. Let me ask you, are you an influencer or are you an influencee? Are you influencing others in a kingdom direction with the salt and the light of the king who is in you and who is with you or are you being increasingly influenced in the ways of the world and its culture of darkness? Maybe this morning you feel as though your light has perhaps become a little bit dim or your salt has lost something of its saltiness. Well, I'd like to lead you in a prayer of repentance. Because Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with those wonderful words which Simon shared with us last week. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn over the sinful state of their hearts. They will be comforted. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who hunger deeply for right relatedness to God and right relatedness to those around us. Do you hunger and thirst for those things? Blessed are you when you do. You'll be filled. And so some of you might be thinking, ah, I don't think I need to repent of anything today. I think it's probably all good. Well, that's okay. You're um, wrong about that, actually. You're completely wrong. <laughs> But uh, you're free, of course, not to pray this prayer that's between you and the Lord. As, as we close, let's bow our heads in prayer. I'd like to share with you some verses from 1 John as we pray. This is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness. We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness.
Well, Jesus, we thank you that you call us to be salt, the salt of the earth, to be light, to be the light of the world. Father, as we read those words of Jesus applied to us about being salt and light, for so many of us we feel that we're somehow not living that out in the way that we should. And so we feel a sense of failure. But Lord, we know that that's not what you would want for us. So Lord, this morning we come before you and we confess to you those ways in which we have allowed the impurities of the world to contaminate and to infiltrate and to adulterate the purity of the salt that you would have us be. We confess to you, Lord, the idolatry, the ways that we've bowed the knee to our culture, the ways that we've bowed the knee to the gods of sex, the gods of materialism, the gods of pride and self-interest. Lord, destroy those idols. Purify us, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit, who is greater. He who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And this morning, Lord, we put our trust afresh in you and we ask that you would help us to be those who truly are the light of the world, who truly are the salt of the earth. Not because of any strength that we have, but because of our total dependence upon you. Because of the way that we mourn deeply for the state of our hearts. For the hunger and the thirsting that you place in our hearts. For righteousness, for right relatedness to you as our Father. Lord Jesus, show us the way. You are the way. And help us, Lord, to be people of the way. That those around us would see there's something different. There's something different about you. What is it? Well, I'm a follower of Jesus. And he is with me and his spirit is within me. And so therefore he enables me to be salt and to be light. Oh Lord, forgive us our foolish ways and help us to walk in ways of righteousness. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.